summer day, no doubt, here in the greater Twin Cities and beyond. Updated temp is in. No change from an hour ago. 87 dew points, still 60. Wind southeast at 10 miles an hour. And I would assume on a day like today, the water temps are making a big jump. And uh, the fish are almost jumping in the boat. Steve Carney joins us. SteveCarneyOutdoors.com. Steve is at it. Case, are we moving into prime time? Oh, Steve, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> what a great week, man. And this morning was just lights out. But it is June, and this is when things usually start. And it's pretty interesting. On the lake I chose this morning with my uh, guide clients, I was the ninth boat in queue to put my boat in this morning at like quarter to six. So people are out there, they're getting after it, and, you know, it's June, the best month of the year, and fishing right now is just fantastic. It's really nice to be able to say that. Yeah, and there there is so much going on, so many options. Steve, what was your approach this morning with your clients? Well, you know, right now, Steve, the, the 90s we've had this past week has really spurred the weed growth. Now we have coontail and cabbage coming up, and now the fish are gravitating toward those weed edges. And I, I really, you know, try to keep an eye on the type of weeds that you pick up. on. We're throwing hair jigs and plastics, mostly artificials, and when you cast it out and bring it back to the boat and you pick up a weed, you kind of check out that weed and look at it and see, is it bright and green, is it brown and dead? And it really is a big tip-off on where the where the fish are. And the crappies and walleyes are just stuffed with bloodworms and blood leeches and all kinds of larvae. And, you know, that's that's where the food is in the weeds. And, you know, there's a lot of mud in the weeds. And, you know, it, there's just a lot of insects and food in the area and we we didn't have that a week ago, and the 90s really spurred the weed growth, so everything is right on the edges. And I tell people, go out with your electronics and start looking, and you'll see a definite edge right now at about 11 or 12 feet on most lakes. You just drive out, you go into maybe 5, 6 feet, and you'll see the weeds you know, on your uh, electronics, and you go out to deeper water, and then all of a sudden those weeds stop. And that is the edge that you want to be on. And all the game fish right now, perch, uh, sunfish, crappies, everything is right on that edge. And if you can control your boat and hold it on that edge, you're going to catch fish, especially right now. Yeah, better morning, evening, doesn't matter. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's so darn hot, Steve. You know, it's like you want to be off the water by 11 o'clock in the morning, and I think that's why there were so many people out at sunrise this morning, and we're all thinking the same thing. It's like get out there and get your licks in before, you know, 10.30, 11.30 and get off because it's just too difficult in the afternoon, the heat and the humidity. And, you know, we've had some pretty good winds, and it just pounds your body. And it's just it's a morning thing really i i think the fish are biting pretty much all day it's just how long do you want to tough it out and you know in 92 degrees so you know mornings are key late evenings are key but if you can handle it during the day you'll still catch fish yeah and uh it, it looks like warmer weather will continue in the short term may take a dip a little bit of a cool front coming through but still daytime highs up around 80 midweek so it's not going to get that chilly uh even though that little dip a little bit of a cool front that could slow things down midweek yeah 
maybe, but okay. I think the fish are on the bite, you know, so much gotcha. right now. They're done spawning. They're super active, but we need rain, Steve. We need rain. The lakes and lakes country are getting very low. The accesses are getting kind of dicey, and, you know, we've had all these threats of rain, but nothing has really happened, and we need rain bad, and I'm hoping we get it in the next four or five days and get it good because we're uh, we're hurting just like a couple of years ago when it was very difficult on the accesses and very super shallow. So I'm hoping for rain big time. Yeah, it is amazing. We go from all the snow this winter and then the runoff, dealing with flooding along some of the streams and and rivers here in the state to now point where we really need rain. There, there's no doubt. We had a turf guy from the Yuan, and it's like, yeah, it's it's dry. We we need rain. It, it, these, these lawns in my neighborhood look like uh, August instead of early June. Well, when it happens, it, it's you know we'll we'll get a deluge here somewhere along the line and perk things up a little bit. And also the minnow bite, Steve. We've talked about shiners yep. the last you know three weeks or so, and that's kind of on on the way out. They're they're kind of transitioning now to leeches and crawlers and. Um, the minnow bite is pretty much, that's a spring thing into beginning of June. And now we kind of make the switch to spinners and, you know, crawlers, leeches, that type of thing. So I'm going to start making that transition this week and, you know, maybe fishing a little bit deeper. I've noticed the fish are really not on top of the weeds. They're on the edge and farther out, which has probably got a lot to do with the heat and, you know, the light penetration. So, uh, I'm going to be looking in that 12 to maybe 22 here this next week and, you know, kind of see what I can see and see what my electronics tell me. All right, Steve, uh, always good to visit with you. We'll do it again in a week. Sounds great, Steve. Have a great rest of the day. All right, there he is, Steve Carney, uh, out on the water, bright and early, catching fish. By the way, our outdoors coverage continues tomorrow afternoon. Rob Dreis sign outdoor news between 5 and 6. Sunday afternoon, uh, sports schedules permitting, so he'll follow the Twins and the Guardians in the final game of that four-game set. By the way, game three coming up tonight here on the radio, Twins and Guardians. Twins have won the first two games of the series, including a 1-0 decision last night. Speaking of tonight, game one, Stanley Cup final in Vegas. The Golden Knights host the Florida Panthers. We'll get a preview with Jess Myers from the rink live. We'll do that. In a moment, here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Twins on the radio tonight. Guardians game three of the four-game set. Sonny Gray on the hill. Lineup card 5-30. First pitch 6-10. Twins won the first two games of the series, and after taking two out of three against Houston, the Twins are on a bit of a roll. They're in command of the American League Central Division. Uh, Joey Gallo to the injured list. And they're going to call up Kyle Garlic from St. Paul. Once again, Joey Gallo, hamstring strain. We'll have more on that as we count you down to the Twins at 5.30 today. Speaking of tonight, they're going to be playing hockey in Las Vegas. Game one of the Stanley Cup final. It'll be Florida at Vegas to play the Golden Knights. And joining us to talk all things hockey here in early June on a hot, humid day, Jess Myers from the rink live. Jess, good to visit with you. Always good to talk to you, Steve. You know, I was thinking back, 1987 is a long time ago, but uh, before game one of the World Series, I was driving from northern Minnesota down to the Twin Cities. I was coming in on Highway 65, you know, through Ham Lake and Blaine and, you know, that whole area of the Twin Cities. 
And I noticed every business that had a sign had something about the twins up on their sign. You know, you, you could tell just how it had caught the eye of the community. Well, lo and behold, one of the really fun things as we head into game one of the Stanley Cup final, you look at the marquee of just about every casino, every everything on the Vegas Strip, and they've got something about the Golden Knights up there. It's wow. really cool to see a community for whom this is all still pretty new. Granted, they've been to a Stanley Cup final once before, but keep in mind, Seven years ago, the Vegas Golden Knights didn't exist, and the and the idea of NHL hockey in the desert was still seemed pretty foreign to some people, or at least uh, in Nevada. And it's really, really cool. This is a fun time to see how uh, kind of these new communities, these non-traditional areas, have really, really latched onto this sport. You know, and what's amazing, Jess, is they blazed the trail that all the other major league sports uh, weren't sure. The NFL, the NBA, I thought the NBA would be first to Vegas. They still haven't made it. The NFL is there, of course, the Raiders moved from Oakland. The A's may join them uh, in a ballpark on the strip. But it, it really was a bold move by the NHL to, to go there. Now they have 600 million reasons uh, to take the money because the other owners shared in that that big chunk of money. But I think the NHL did it right. They said if you're going to spend that kind of money, you're going to be able to get a good player off every roster and every club in the NHL. And and they built a competitive roster right out of the gate. And give Seattle credit, they did the same thing uh, when the Kraken were born. I, I, I think the NHL has really done a good job expanding and making sure that, that these teams are competitive right away. Yeah, this idea that we saw in the last round of expansion, which included the Minnesota Wild back in 2000, yep. uh, that, you know, pony up a, a couple hundred million dollars for an expansion franchise, and then we'll give you, you know, the, the worst player on every other team, uh, and you can try and put a roster together b- yeah. that way, and then maybe five years down the road we'll see you in the playoffs. I think the owners uh, of the newer teams have said, okay, that's not going to fly with us. If we're going to invest this much, we want to give – fans a reason to cheer right away and especially in areas like las vegas as a, as an example yes. where the game does not you know come come first or come naturally to a lot of people again you know I, i'm sounding like an old guy today i started out talking about 1987 but i remember also you know 1990 that stretch when unlv was the hottest thing in college basketball and that was akin to their professional sports team in vegas even though you know they were ncaa level and I go back to that time, too, Steve. Remember, uh, casinos in, in Nevada could not take bets on UNLV because they thought there was some advantage to be gained with a local team and all that. So we really see the way the sports scene there has changed and just the way the community has changed that, you know, Vegas has grown exponentially as, as a metropolitan area. You're right. You know, now the, the Oakland A's seem to be, you know, picking out where they want to build their, uh, their stadium. And, and, man, think about the city of Oakland they face the potential of losing their football team and their baseball team to the same community. I mean, think if, you know, the Twins would have moved to Dallas somehow, how we would have felt about that. Yeah, once upon a time they had uh, the Golden Seals, I believe, uh, the California Golden Seals. Now, and, we're and really going in the, the way-back machine now. but They uh, had the Golden State Warriors until just recently, you that, know, and that, they moved that's across right. the, uh, the bay to San Francisco as well. So uh, not great times for sports fans in the city of Oakland. Yeah, for sure. I I think what they got right, though, about Vegas is this, sports-wise. And I think the Raiders are going to have an opportunity and have already tapped into this. 
I, I believe the Vikings go out to, to Vegas to play the Raiders this year. Is yeah, that second, second week of uh, December? I think it is. A lot yeah. of people already making their their reservations heading out, <laughs> heading out there. It, it is a city of attractions. You have you two setting up a residency at the brand new Sphere uh, Arena that that's being built right on the the Strip. Um, you have big stars who have been in residency there for for a long, long time, and now you have big league sports as another attraction. And this is something where the casinos can offer it to their best customers. Hey, we've got a suite at T-Mobile Arena. Do you want to go to an NBA? Do you want to go to an NHL game? Do you want to go to a Raiders game? And let's face it, there are going to be a lot of Viking fans in Vegas uh, for for that Raider game later this year. And the the teams that only get in there once every five or six years – I, I think it's just another attraction for that city. The the NBA will be there. There's no doubt in my mind. The question is, you know, when do they make that move? But yeah, it's a, it's a perfect city for that. They've they've got a very good hockey team. But on the flip side, you've got the Florida Panthers, and I, I was looking at it again. We all know about their monumental upset over the Boston Bruins in the first round, winning that four games to three, winning that game seven in Boston to oust a team who had arguably the greatest season in NHL history, certainly in the modern era, uh, the the greatest season in NHL history, regular season. Then they beat Toronto, continue their misery, blow out the Carolina Hurricane, a very solid club, and here they are. And I I think, you know, the players have been quoted as saying, yeah, we paid our dues. They, they've shown they deserve to be in the Stanley Cup final. How about how about this scenario? Imagine this. It didn't happen, but imagine it had happened. Imagine in about year three or year four, Herschel Walker would have turned it on for the Vikings and suddenly been the star everybody expected him to be. Yeah. You know, it never happened. He, he he just didn't pan out. The trade didn't turn out to be a good trade. Well, you're seeing something kind of similar to that in Sergei Bobrovsky, the goalie for the Florida Panthers. He came over for big money, signed a huge contract coming over from Carolina, or excuse me, from, uh, from Columbus, where he had been a great goalie on a, on a not very good team. So he took big money to go to Florida. And two years in, people are saying, well, that was a bust. It just didn't work out. His numbers weren't very good. Keep in mind, Steve, when the playoffs started, Alex Lyon from Bedette, Minnesota, was the starting goalie for the Florida wow. Panthers those first couple games against Boston. And then they said, well, well, okay, we're down 3-1 in the series. Let's give Bobrovsky a shot. And now all of a sudden he's earning his money. I mean, everybody is afraid of a hot goalie come playoff time. And he has absolutely been that for Florida. The other thing they're getting is some balanced scoring. Matthew Kachuk came over in a trade, and he's been a very good, very solid playoff player. And then every playoff needs an enemy, right? You need a bad guy. Well, yeah. Sam Bennett has been just the tough guy, the guy that everybody hates for Florida. He's the one that took out uh, Matthew Nyes in the Toronto series, you know, gave, gave Matthew Nyes a concussion, kind of throwing him to the ice. So you've got to have the bad guy, and Sam Bennett has been that. My only reason I feel kind of bad for the Florida Panthers, 1996 was the last time they make the Stanley Cup final. They were a pretty new team at that point. They finally get back there after all these years, and lo and behold, the Miami Heat also make the final. So you wonder... Yeah how much air basketball is sucking out of the sports media balloon in South Florida right now uh, and how much folks are paying attention to the Panthers. But fun to see some big crowds there. Fun to see people, you know, on the beach wearing their red hockey jerseys and all of that. So uh, years ago, 
when there was this idea of expanding pro hockey to the, to the Sun Belt, I yeah. think we're finally kind of seeing the realization of what that dream was. Yeah, and really the, the only spot, it, and, and Florida's had up and down attendance at, at their building in Sunrise, Florida, I believe. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, huge success. Tampa Bay is now a hockey mecca. The, the NCAA uh, Men's Hockey Championships, known as the Frozen Four, can hardly wait to get back to Tampa Bay. Um, it, it, it's, it's incredible what they've done there. Now, hockey hasn't worked out in Atlanta. They, they haven't been able to land an NHL team in Houston. Things haven't worked out particularly well in Arizona. They're still trying to figure out their building situation. But Vegas, winner, winner. Tampa Bay has been great, and here's Florida in the final. We had a Stanley Cup in Anaheim. We've had a couple Stanley yep, Cups in Los go. Angeles uh, not yep. too long ago. And as, as much as I grit my teeth and say this, you know, the Dallas Stars are a huge success. That was a great hockey team this year. Um, you know, they, they come out and support a winner in Dallas. It's a good sports town. So, uh, you know, that's turned out probably about as good as the NFL – or, excuse me, the NHL couldn't have – envisioned things in 1993 when Gary Bettman came in and the deal was already done for the North Stars to move down to Dallas for that franchise to succeed, first of all, in Texas, and then for Minnesota to get an expansion franchise in a new building and to you know be able to sell tickets the way the Minnesota Wild have. And granted, they, they haven't made that playoff run yet. We're still all, all waiting for it. But uh, I, I think things have turned out generally pretty well for hockey in the United States. Yeah, the only thing I wonder about as we embark on the the Stanley Cup Final Game One tonight in Vegas is is what to make of the situation in Arizona. They can't continue to play in a five thousand seat college building in Tempe, the new home of Arizona State. You've been there, Jess. Um, I, I I don't know how much momentum there is to actually get a building. It doesn't look like they're going to return to Glendale out in the West Valley. They they've that that ship has sailed. So uh, the the Arizona situation, though, it, it's not been good for a number of years. I wrote about this right after the vote in Tempe failed. You know, and it's something like fifty six percent of the people who voted in Tempe, Arizona, voted to say, "No, we're not giving any tax breaks to the NHL team. We're uh, we're we're going to preserve this landfill that we've got." And I looked at the situation, and Steve, it's amazing. In just about every city where a new arena has eventually been built, first there has been a vote by the public, and the vote has gone south. So I do think if I were to look in my crystal ball, there, there's going to be a solution for the Coyotes to stay in Arizona. I really think that's the, the ultimate goal. Now, if you're a Minnesota Gopher fan, it actually kind of worked out good for you because Logan Cooley decided to come back for another year with the Gophers, and he yeah. admitted one of the reasons he didn't jump ship and go to the NHL was because of this uncertainty with the situation in Arizona. Now, he said all the right things and said, I'm sure they'll work it out and you know they'll find a way to make it work in Arizona. And he even said when in talking to reporters, and if not, Houston would be a great p- place for this team to play. Some people have talked about Kansas City. Some people have talked about Salt Lake City as potential destinations for a new hockey team. But uh, I still have enough confidence to think there's enough open land. There's a... There's a uh, an old shopping mall that they're not using anywhere in Mesa, which is not too far out of the downtown area. That's kind of maybe plan B now. So I think that they will find a way, but you're absolutely right. The, the situation they're in right now, playing in, a, in, in an arena that seats 4,800, hey, it's a great atmosphere because they're sold out every night. 
but you just can't generate the revenue you need to on a nightly basis uh, to compete in the NHL. First of all, Logan Cooley just wants to play in a Frozen Four in St. Paul. Well, I, I can see that, you know, and, and I, I <laughs> joked with him uh, before he made the announcement. I said, no matter what you choose, I hope at some point you get to experience a summer in Minnesota because all, all he knows of Minnesota so far is a pretty lousy winter that we had last year. But, yeah, you know, if you're a Gopher fan, the idea of the core of this team coming back with their goalie intact, with two of their top three forwards uh, coming back, with, a, you know, a good young defensive core – and then the Frozen Four being played, you know, nine miles down the road from campus or whatever it is, is XL Energy Center. You couldn't script it much better than that for a team that came so close last year and you know is going to be pretty hungry. Now, now I'm going to give you and your, your fellow writers at the Rink Live a, a storyline for the upcoming season. Can okay. the Golden Gophers overcome the tremendous pressure to play in a Frozen Four in their backyard? That'll be the, an, that could be a theme for this season. How about that? That's an that's an interesting question because we've seen it we've seen yeah. it go both ways. Now keep in mind, yeah. Steve, they've had the Frozen Four at XL Energy Center three times in the past. Yeah. All three times a team from Minnesota has won the championship there. The Gophers in two thousand two and then Minnesota Duluth the last two times it's been there. So there is something to be said for that. On the flip side, Denver hosted a Frozen Four one year, and a really good University of Denver team. Everybody thought, okay, they're going to they're going to win it at home. It's going to be a cruise for them, and they kind of fell apart in the playoffs that year. So uh, I've seen it happen both ways, where where teams have kind of uh, succumbed to the pressure of it. And and you know what's crazy? They're going to be going to camp before you know it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to wish summer away. I know. Well, hey, it's eighty. I think it's eighty-four degrees here right now. It's only seventy-seven in Sunrise, Florida. So, you know, all this talk about playing hockey in hot weather. You know, hey, if it, if, if the if the Wild had gotten this far, we, they'd be playing in hot weather as well. And, and man, wouldn't that be fun? Oh yeah, the the, the tailgate outside, uh, uh, all, all the activity outside the XL Energy Center would be uh, very interesting on a day like today. All right, Jess, good to visit with you. Thanks again. Enjoy the final. Thanks, Steve. Always good to talk hockey. All right, there he is, Jess Myers from the Rink Live, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Vegas hosts Florida Game 1 Stanley Cup Final tonight in the desert, 433. We'll have the weather, and then uh, we'll we'll get you ready for Andy Greeter of the Pioneer Press. Uh, the Loons take on Toronto FC tonight at Allianz Field. We'll get the very latest from Andy. Here at News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Twins and Guardians came three of the four-game set. Lineup card under an hour away. Chris Atterbury at 5.30. Corey Provis, Stan Gladden with all the play-by-play tonight at 6.10. Twins try and win their third straight over the Guardians. They won at 1-0 last night. Sonny Gray on the hill. We'll have much more on that a little bit later on. Loons are home tonight. They'll be at Allianz Field and take on Toronto FC. 7.30 start. It's on Apple TV free tonight. It ain't that hard. Get the Apple TV app. It's free uh, tonight. You don't have to buy the MLS package, so that's kind of cool. It looks like uh, the next couple of games... Uh, for the Loons or an Apple TV free. You don't have to have uh, the MLS uh, season package. Andy Greeter covers the Loons for the Pioneer Press and uh, joins us uh, online, TwinCities.com. Andy, always good to visit with you. Yeah, Steve, how are you? Yeah, good. Good to visit with you. 
warm and humid. This is quite a turnaround. I I know I brought this up a week ago, but this is quite a change from uh, early season games at Allianz. This is definitely summer weather for tonight. Yeah, and the thing is, is, is Minnesota United has is, is been playing double game weeks for the last five or six weeks. So this is a team that is, has played a lot of soccer, and they've been asking uh, a few amount of players to be able to do it. You know, this team doesn't have a deep bench. Adrian Heath doesn't usually go more than three subs deep. He's got an opportunity to make five. So he's been asking, you know, the same 14, 15 or so players uh, to go in night in and night out. And they played in Austin on Wednesday and, and will have to do so again in the heat in St. Paul tonight. Yeah, so definitely uh, a, a challenge tonight. Uh, I, I know they train and they train hard and have been training in this weather, but uh, nevertheless, uh, training and then uh, a match, definitely two different things. Yeah, I mean, given the, the load of games that they've had and the fact that yeah. I think this is 12 games in 41 days or something like that, something kind of ridiculous. Pretty much every three and a half days they've been playing a match. I was at training uh, yesterday, and it was about, you know, a half hour long. You know, since, like I said, they've been using the same amount of guys and will be expected to use that same, you know, small group. Tonight, they did very, very little yesterday at practice. It's a lot about kind of recovery. It's a lot about kind of the mental aspect of, of overcoming that you know, major league soccer has a condensed schedule uh, this season. There's obviously a, uh, uh, the tournament in the U S open cup that a lot of teams are playing in and Minnesota went on a, on a bit of a run there. And that kind of added to their workload here. So Toronto FC has, has been in a similar position. They've been playing a, a lot of games as well. So it's not like Minnesota's at a disadvantage compared to Toronto, but you wonder, you know, kind of how, how much they have left in the tank, right? I mean, how many guys are going to be hitting that hour mark and are going to be gassed on the field? And are there going to be times where you have a you check out for a minute, which is this team has been prone to do at times, and, and all of a sudden you go up a goal and, and then you're chasing the game and you have tired legs and, and so forth. But there might be a key player that comes back tonight in Emmanuel Reynoso, and I'd imagine that he comes off the bench. He'll be on the team sheet for sure. Adrian was a little coy about where he might be given some of the fitness of other players. You know, they're in the process of, of selling Luis Amaria, one of their strikers, uh, to Mazatlan in, in Mexico's Liga MX. So they're down a player there. Uh, Mender Garcia will probably be the striker. And uh, Emmanuel Reynoso will be underneath him, I'd imagine, in the second half. Now, is that going to be a half hour? Or is that going to be, you know, 15, 20 minutes? I think the, the game state will probably – uh, dictate that, but this is a long time overdue for Minnesota United's All-Star. Yeah, and you, you did a piece on that a couple of days ago, Andy, and uh, that, that's got to be exciting on some level. As, as difficult as it was waiting for Reynoso to return and then for him to get to the point where he is able to play in a game, potentially tonight against Toronto FC, could, could be huge. Yeah, you know, he's missed 44% of the season already. Yeah. And he, you know, didn't return to training uh, until a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I, He's never been the, the fittest guy on the team, uh, and he has gone a little bit more the other direction, and he looks a little too skinny at times. And I asked Adrian about that, and they were a little cautious about you know him being maybe too thin. And just given the amount of time he has on the ball, the amount of, 
kind of passes he tries to pick. Uh, he's one of the most foul-suffered players in Major League Soccer, and if you don't have that muscle, then you can kind of wear down with that. And given the fact that he's missed so much of the season, they've been cautious about when they'd bring him back. And Adrian initially was saying, you know, hey, I want to wait till we have a full week to prepare. And that would be next week when they play Montreal on Saturday. Uh, but I think that they see what he's been able to do in training. And the fact that his form looks like it's there. He's able to pick the passes. He's able to find his teammates. He's able to have the chemistry that has made him a two-time All-Star, made him this team's best player. Uh, so that is kind of advanced, I think, the reasoning why they're bringing him back now. Um, but I think that that you know kind of cautious approach still needs to be a play because he is so valuable. This team has been as mediocre as they have been, and they know that he is really the difference maker. So, you know, you don't want to have a muscle injury. You don't want to have, you know, be wiped out in a tackle, and then you lose him for even more time. Um, so that's kind of the, the needle that they're trying to thread right now when it comes to Emmanuel Reynoso, how much time they give him tonight. Yeah, and uh, Andy, an opportunity against a Toronto club that uh, has struggled a bit this year, but it's been a struggle uh, at Allianz for the Loons. Yeah, they're one of two teams in Major League Soccer that have fewer than two wins at home this year. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a mighty struggle for them. They've only won one home game all year. So the fans who, who love to sing uh, Wonderwall after wins have only gotten that opportunity once in MLS play. Uh, and, the, and the players know that. Uh, the fans obviously know that. Management knows that. And they need to start stacking up wins. And Toronto, like you said, Steve, is, has been a team that has struggled in Major League Soccer. They have the most expensive roster in the league. They've got some high-end talent in Federico uh, Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Insigne. They've got a, uh, a headlining coach in Bob Bradley, who's coached the men's national team, who's coached LAFC. Uh, they've got the pieces to be able to do it, but there's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of uh, back talk. There's been uh, Bernadeschi being benched. It's been... Quite a, uh, quite a show in Toronto this season. Now, they've played a little bit better of late. Uh, they've been struggling on the road. Uh, so what you need to do is, is you, need to, you need to get a win. You need to keep a team that has shown itself to be vulnerable. You have to keep them down, and you have to start doing that tonight. Yeah, and there's been a lot of talk here in town about uh, television rights and so on and so forth with the Valley Sports Norris situation in the Twins. Uh, there, there's uh, was was the suit where Valley Sports North has to write a check to the Minnesota Twins if they want to retain the rights, etc. We don't know how that's going to play out. Now it's settled with Major League Soccer. They are with Apple TV, but uh, an opportunity free the next two weeks on Apple TV. Yeah, and I think they have uh, discounted rates for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you wanna you wanna watch the hometown team, you can go to Allianz Field and watch them, uh, or you, like you said, you can watch them free on Apple TV. Uh, they've got a handful of, of nationally televised games that are coming up as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a, a package in the new streaming world to to pay for a product that that uh, people are fans of. So yeah, I mean, it's it's the new age. I know we keep talking about it, uh, yeah. but it is kind of just the way that it is now. You know, I think you need to to pay to watch your teams. And I think Twins fans are show, are seeing the fact that uh, that can go away pretty quickly and all of a sudden you're left 
uh, you know, listening to, onto the radio, which which Corey Provis and Dan Glenn do a great job bringing the games. Uh, there's the radio option for uh, Minnesota United as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it's just kind of a new frontier as we're trying to figure out uh, where the streaming services are, are going to land and, and how much it's going to be and how much pushback there's going to be with it. I think another thing that people are are kind of disgruntled about is is the start times. You know, I mean, they're playing so many night games, seven thirty on on Saturday nights instead of a you know, a matinee at, at three o'clock on a, on a Sunday or three o'clock on a Saturday, or maybe mix in a Friday night game here and there. Uh, I think they're kind of lacking in, in variety of start times. And I think that's been, that's been difficult as well, especially when they go on the West coast and all of a sudden you have a nine thirty start time, local time. And I think that's been an issue as well on top of having Apple is just this kind of uniformity in these start times uh, that kind of, uh, kind of, you know, kind of shortchange the, the customer. And also, if you're a fan of the sport and a fan of the league, there's only really one or two windows to watch, and they're all kind of stacked up, and you're kind of stuck watching one game instead of like you see in, in the NFL where there's, you know, so many different windows and you get to, to watch them at your leisure. Yeah, and, and I would assume that will evolve. As they move forward with this new deal with Apple TV, I'm guessing – that's going to evolve, and the, the the clubs are eventually going to say, "Hey, you know, we need we need some matinees, we need some yeah. different windows." And and I'm I'm guessing in year one they're they're trying to get a feel for it, and then eventually the clubs are going to say, "Hey, you know, this doesn't make sense to play, you know, Saturday night seven thirty all the time." Yeah, I, I think that that I think that is that is the hope, and obviously you want to have an entertaining product. To put out there, and that's what Minnesota United is, is going to be working on here this summer. You know, with them selling Luisa Maria uh, to Mazatlan in Mexico, that opens up a designated yep. player spot. And it sounds like they're looking to sign Timu Puki, uh, who is a, a Finnish national team player, uh, a teammate of Robin Ludd on the Finland team, who's been playing with Norwich City for a number of years. And they bounce between the, the English Premier League, which is the world class league, and the championship. And he's scored a lot of goals. And they're looking to bring him in this summer. And I think that's an exciting addition. You know, that's something I've been able to report here this week. And I think it's got fans excited about, you know, kind of this, this club for a long time has, has brought in strikers. And some of it's kind of on a, on a hope and a prayer. Some of it's, well, maybe they can translate that goal scoring touch that they found in Ecuador, for instance, and, and bring that here. And it's had, you know, mixed results or, or lacking results. And this is a player that has probably the best proven goal-scoring record that they've ever had. He's got 170-some goals in his career. He scored in the Premier League. Now it's a matter of can he still do it at age 33? Um, and if Emmanuel Reynoso is able to, to provide him service and he's able to have that touch in the box and get in those dangerous spots and make those runs off of Reynoso's touch, I think is really exciting for what this team uh, can do in the second half of the season. If they're able to, if they're able to make that get over the line, and it sounds uh, encouraging that they're able to do so. Yeah, and by the way, you can read uh, all about it, uh, TwinCities.com. Andy Gritter covering the Loons, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Andy, only got uh, a minute or two. I've got to bring up uh, Minnesota Aurora. Uh, out of the gate, outscored opponents this season, 19-0. They get Rochester on the road tomorrow. Uh, they they beat uh, that, that team from Racine, Kenosha, uh, 10-0 out at TCO Performance Center on Wednesday night. I caught part of that on Fox 9+. Plus. That, needless to say, dominant performance, 10-0 win. 
Yeah, they've been they've been crushing everybody. Yeah. Oh, you know, they, yeah. they went uh, they went thirteen one and one uh, last year, so they had set the bar incredibly high. But a lot of those games were you know maybe three zero, you know two one. They were closer, and they always you know came out uh, outside of the championship game. But this year they're putting themselves in in a league of their own, and you know they wanted to have uh, a, a kind of a, a stepped up, more uh, developed roster. They've brought in some players that have some professional experience, um, so they've they've been showing that they are a better team here this year. Now, you know this league has expanded; it's gone from 44 teams to I think 65, and they only play teams in the Midwest in the regular season, and then they start yeah. playing teams around the country in the playoffs. And I think there's an expectation that, especially some of the California teams that have come on. Um, are going to be, you know, challenging and daunting for them to face. So they might be, they might be like the Twins, where they're able to make hay in the in the AL Central, but once they get to the playoffs, it's another story. But yeah, it's it's a continuation of of an amazing kind of uh, storyline for this club that that has kind of out exceeded expectations at pretty much every step along the way, from attendance to ownership to sponsorship. Uh, to you know, just attendance and fan interest, and and the quality on the field was good last year, and it's even better this year. Yeah, and uh, home TV deal on Fox Nine Plus, they did a good job on the telecast on Wednesday night. Hey, Andy, always good to visit with you. Thanks for the time. Yep, take care, Steve. All right, Andy Greeter, Pioneer Press, online TwinCities.com. He'll have coverage of tonight's tilt, Toronto FC taking on the Loons at. Allianz. Quick break. We'll come back. Twins Guardians will be our focus. Game three of the four games set on the way. Lineup card with Chris at 5.30. We'll have some highlights from a 1-0 win on Friday night. In a Twins Guardians game three. Target field tonight. Sonny Gray on the mound. Twins have won the first two games of the series. They roar back. Get a Royce Lewis home run to tie it and then win it and walk off fashion 7-6. And then last night, pitching. Great pitching on both sides. Bailey Ober got the start. Didn't figure in the decision. Moran, Stewart, Duran finish it out. Bullpen lights out for the Twins. The only run, Jorge Polanco, an RBI double. He tattoos the wall and right. Waits for the 1-1, and here it comes. A swing and a line drive, right field deep. That's going to sail over the head of Brennan and find the wall. Farmer scores. Taylor makes third. It's an RBI double for Polanco, and the Twins surge in front 1-0. So Polanco, a big factor in the ball game last night. Once again, terrific pitching. Twins, one run, six hits, no errors. Cleveland, no runs, eight hits, no errors. Johan Duran goes one and two-thirds to get the save. So is he available tonight for game three of the four-game series? Uh, We will see, but uh, you got to like the pitching matchup and the Twins' chances with Sonny Gray on the mound tonight. We'll have much more on the Twins because Doe Young Park, who covers the team for MLB.com, will join us following the news and weather at 5 o'clock. And then... We'll get you up to date uh, one more time on the weather at the ballpark tonight. It will be good. It'll be a great summer night at Target Field. We'll take a look at the Major League School Board and 
the Major League standings and a sneak peek at that Twins lineup tonight. Twins and Guardians coming up here on the home of the Twins. News Talk, K3OWCCO, as I mentioned, the news and weather coming up in a moment. And uh, we look forward to bringing in the ballgame here on CCO. 